I took this photograph of a Highland bull and I just decided that to make him stand out on the wall to, to put a bit of a dark background behind him. And I think that's what really made him pop and it made people stop when they were scrolling when they saw that. What I wanted on my wall is I wanted a huge print on my wall myself. And I think that's probably what caught people's eye, their attention as well, was these prints were massive. So I wanted them to be statement pieces. And I think that's what's been a little bit different to my business as well compared to others. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to episode 41 of the Photo Country Podcast. And I'm your host, Rajiv. In this episode, I talked to photographer and business owner Amanda King from By The Haunts. I actually got really fascinated with the cattle shots that were popping up on my Facebook feed some time back and I have been following her work ever since. Her work is distinguished by the larger-than-life, imposing images of these majestic highland cows. I have never seen anything like that before because they are framed on a black or a white background and it's got a singular focus. These cows really look at you. You can't miss them if you put them up on the wall. So that's what really got me curious. And I always wanted to invite Amanda to the show and talk to her about her process. You're going to take away a couple of things from this conversation. One, what goes into running a photography business? And two, how do you keep reinventing yourself in the face of an ever-changing marketplace? Plus, a bunch of nuggets of some amazing insights into how you can turn your passion project into a thriving business. You can follow Amanda on her Instagram feed by the haunts that is by dot the dot haunts or buy some prints from our website by the haunts.co.nz before we get into the conversation a shout out to all the amazing listeners of the show i have one request to you all that is leave a review on apple or spotify and tell me why you like the show and who is your favorite photographer and i will definitely feature you on the show so looking forward to that with that out of the way, let's get into the conversation. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for coming on the podcast chat. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much for having me. No worries. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of Hyundai Country Calendar. I must have watched almost all the seasons till date. So I know how so I can imagine visualize living on a farm. But it's not an easy task working in a, a farm, which is right 1100 hectares yeah that's right and, and then raising a family and then having a business and helping run the farm as well so a lot of things should be going on yeah that's right we're actually shearing today and i'm cooking for the shearers so there, there is a lot going on and it never ends <laughs> yes but how did you get to starting this business what was your inspiration so i'm a school teacher by trade and i was teaching up in the north island in the wire and the principal of the school put me through a photography course so I could teach it as a class to the intermediate students. And so that's when I discovered my passion for photography. I actually thought I really enjoy this. So I got myself a good camera and started doing it on the side. And then we then moved down onto the family farm down here in Canterbury. And we have all these beautiful animals all around us and everything. And I thought I want, really wanted to have a really big print of a Highland cow, actually, on my wall. So I went out and took one and I got it printed and I got it framed. And 
a lot of my friends really loved it and asked me if I could do it for them. So I went and took some photos for them and that got them printed and they put it on their walls and everything. And it, everyone was really excited about it. And I thought I might just create a little hobby Facebook page with all my photographs. And I did this and the page just really took off. And so it wasn't really meant to be a business, but it became a business. People asked if they could buy them. And so I created a website and it all happened very quickly. And my Facebook page grew by the thousands and I think, I'm not sure, 45,000 or something like that followers now. Yeah. So that's how the business began. And I'm not teaching anymore. I'm doing this full time. <laughs> so yes, it's pretty much exploded, right? It's yeah. just wildfire. Yeah. So it's interesting to see the kind of images that you have. But how did you arrive at this kind of style? Was it like you just tweaking it and figured it out? Or was there an inspiration for you for this kind of look? So I think when I did the one for myself, I took this photograph of a Highland bull and I just decided that to make him stand out on the wall to, to put a bit of a dark background behind him. And I think that's what really made him pop and it made people stop when they were scrolling when they saw that. So I did do a lot of my photographs with that kind of style or the opposite, I would do it with just a plain white background. And it just seemed to be what was really popular, what the Facebook audience loved. So I just, I stuck with that. But I do also do now a range of lots of things, normal photographs, landscapes, seascapes. I just, because there is a market for everything. So I just, yeah, broadened my horizons now. And how did the book come about? I used to get a lot of my customers asking me if I would make a coffee table book. I actually created one myself, just a portfolio, and I had it out. I was up in Auckland for Art in the Park, and I had one out as a display, and I had lots of people ask if they could buy it, and it wasn't for sale. It was just something I did for myself, but I thought it would be something I should do, do like a coffee table book. And my marketing manager that I had at the time, he said, if you're going to do this, why don't we just see if we could maybe get it published? And I was like, oh, okay. I wasn't really thinking that would be something I would do, but I thought it's not going to hurt to ask. We contacted, we started off with Penguin Books New Zealand and yeah, they just rang back and they were really keen and I had an interview with them and they signed me up. So it was all a bit, yeah, I was in shock really. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. I had a year to put it all together and I thought a year was, I was wanting to do it then and there and get it done. But it, those things take a long time. And I'm in, in the end, I'm really glad it was a year because it did take me a long time to, I had lots of images already, but I also wanted to create new ones. And yeah. yeah and it's something about seeing your work on paper, something that's quite tangible because you're, it's all about pixels these days and having it printed is a completely different feeling. Like it, it's, it's a, you can actually touch and feel it. Yeah, that's right. And to have all my images all in, like, well, it's all my cattle images, basically, all put together like that in a nice book. It makes a really nice gift as well for people. And yeah, I'm really glad I've done it. And how's the response been for your book? Yeah, really good. It, it was released last September. It came out in the bookstores and it was a great time of the year to release a book for Father's Day, for Christmas. And it's been really popular and I'm still, every day, I'm still selling them online and getting them shipped out. Because your connectivity is not that great because you're in the rural side and running a business like this from a farm must have its own sort of challenges, right? 
major challenges. <laughs> the whole internet thing has been my biggest challenge, but because when you're talking about photographs and you're uploading photographs and you're talking a high resolution file, so they're massive. So it's so slow. It just takes such a long time. And then you'll start, you'll be halfway through uploading and then the internet will drop out and then it will stop and you have to start again. So that's been the biggest challenge. The rural delivery service is great. I'm able to book the couriers to come here and they come and collect whatever I'm shipping out and at my door. So that's been great. But one of the biggest things that was is the printing companies that I use drop ship for me. So I put my order through online and they send it out from their headquarters themselves straight to the customer. And that's been a lifesaver because when I first started, I didn't do that. I was getting all the prints sent to my house and I was rolling them out, checking them. It was an absolute nightmare because my children were little. Like I had, My youngest was two years old. So I'd have to wait until they were asleep so they would not be anywhere near these prints. And I just had these prints everywhere and it'd be late at night. And my husband, he'd feel like doing, but he'd have to help. So he was there rolling me. We'd get into arguments and things like that. And it's like, oh, this is stressful. But yeah, luckily, yeah, the printer's drop sharing has just been a lifesaver. Uh, so the whole thing is right now automated through Shopify or something like that? Uh, yeah, I don't. I still put the orders through straight to the printer myself. Uh, I don't have it okay. connected. Uh, mainly because I sell to Australia, to the US and things like that. I've got different printers everywhere. Right. Yes, yeah, so I don't want six different printers all connected to my store. So I still just do that part myself. How do you keep the quality consistent across so many different printers? I have to check. So the printers that I've been with in New Zealand, I'll always check. I've been with them for years now and they're really good to me. They will if there's something that's happened to the print, they would let me know before sending it out. And so we'll just do another one. So I, with all the printers overseas, I would get a printer test sample first to get it sent to me and I'll check it. And it's just basically matching it up to what I'm doing here. So it's exact same paper, the same printers, everything. Yeah. So that's how I check the quality. I, and I understand that because I, I work for a printer as well and normally taking photographs and then taking that photographs and then matching it to your printer and the color matching and all of that is a completely different you know, ball game. So how did you then overcome that kind of challenge? I, I mean, now I've got these printers that I know match my colors and that was just really trial and error. And that, yeah, I would just, I'm just sticking with them now not to try and make things too complicated. There were, I have tried using a company that's print some of my prints onto the back of cell phones, like cell phone covers, and they were drop shipping. And then I, I got them sent to myself first because I wanted to check the quality. It got lost in the mail and then they sent me another one. But then the one that got lost ended up showing up. So I got two. But they were, right. both of them were the same print but absolutely different quality and different colors. And it was, oh, it was terrible. Was like, I can't do this because I don't know what my customer is getting. This one's getting this one and it's not the right colors. And because they're just using different printers all around the world. And so right, I just right, scratched right. that. It's just too tricky. Yeah. Having photography as a weekend passion and then having a photography business is a completely different thing. So how did you make that transition? And then the other thing is you're known for a certain type of imagery 
and sometimes what happens is as you grow as an artist you want to experiment with different kind of looks and stuff like that but yeah. it may not work with the business or your brand so to speak so how do you tackle those kind of issues to start with the first part was when i created the business but it was a hobby but it turned into a business itself and it got a little bit too much for me to handle um that's when i started looking into getting a like a marketing company and also just a bookkeeper and things like that because my sales were international it just was easier just to get somebody who knows what they're doing on that side of things with so that those I've worked out what what's going to help me the most with my time instead of me spending all my Friday doing the books you know I worked out I would be better off paying somebody to do that for me and me working on the other stuff otherwise it would take me a whole lot longer to do so I'm actually wasting more money me trying to do it myself to answer your second question I think when I started the whole Highland cow thing became such a big trend and you'd see the cow Highland cows everywhere and now if you go into your Kmart's and your warehouse and things like that they're everywhere and they're just being imported from China so I think it was such a big trendy thing and I've just now I've got to create new ideas because those trends are going to be dying out and there's going to be new things and and not everybody likes pictures of cows <laughs> so you've got to yeah you've got to broaden your horizon and your customer base as well by people love my botanicals but they don't like the cows so I do the botanicals as well for those people and people like the beach and just trying keep coming out with new prints all the time yeah and that kind of leads to my next question when you go about building a photography business what are the key things that one should keep in mind why i'm asking you is this is your ads really stood out on facebook to me so what do you think you did right in order for your business to go viral this way i think that when i started is i would with facebook i would always have my images in in a mock up like an in situ situation so people could see what it would actually look like in a room i think that made a huge difference for people so they could visualize what it would be and what it would look like and then i would get a lot of people asking me how do i do that because they want to do that as well for their photography and things like that so i think that's been a big thing and also at the start running giveaways and things like that helped cuz you'd get new audiences that hadn't heard of you that get tagged you're not allowed to do that on facebook anymore though so things have changed things have changed dramatically on facebook to when i first started you could say to somebody you need to share this post to enter or you have to tag somebody to enter but you're not allowed to do that anymore so i think i was lucky that i had timed that when i started you were able to do that so i was able to get a bigger audience but how did you decide on the sizes because your prints are pretty huge right it's not a small things that you sell it's all really massive yeah yeah so how did you decide on those kind of sizes was it like just people just ask for those kind of sizes or was it intentional no because i it was what i wanted on my wall as i wanted a huge print on my wall myself and i think that's probably what caught people's eye their attention as well was these prints were massive so I wanted them to be statement pieces and I think that's what's been a little bit different to my business as well compared to others. Yeah, yeah. And where all have you your prints hanging? Is it like just New Zealand Australia or is it other countries as well? Yeah, I've got them. I've got people have bought them from the UK, from yeah, France. 
Switzerland, even Saudi Arabia. In the States, I've got them in restaurants in Minnesota, a Texas brewery, have them. Yeah, they, I have, that's why I've had to find printers overseas because it was costing me, I wasn't making any money selling prints overseas because by the time I would ship these prints over there and then I would be like zero profit. I had to, yeah, come up with printers over there. And it's been a challenge because also the paying for printers over in the States, for example, you converting the New Zealand dollar to the US dollar, it's really expensive. So that's been a challenge. So I've had to create a US-based website that's for the US market. So it's in US dollars and matching what it cost me to print it over there and also have it in sizes that they know over there. Whereas over here, I have it in A, most of my prints are in A sizes, but they don't know what that is over there. So that was been a learning experience because they would receive the print. They would order an A3, for example, and they, even though I had it as an example of what those sizes would mean, they would then get disappointed when they received an A3 because they was like, oh, I didn't realize that an A3 is this small. So they say, okay, I need to rethink this. And then I did everything in inches for that market. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a massive learning, learning curve. So like you said, the landscape has changed when you actually started this, this AI is coming, generative AI is coming. How do you think the landscape is going to change? Like I see so many pictures, completely generated AI and it's mind blowing. It is mind blowing and I'm I'm really worried about what it's going to do now because yeah, anyone could just type in whatever they want now <laughs> and they just get it on their screen within seconds. I don't know. I just I yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Using Adobe Firefly, I just put in create a long exposure shot of sunset on a wharf in Auckland, something like that. Yeah. The output was just amazing. Like yeah. I know, I know. It's a worry. <laughs> It is a worry. Oh, um, I mean, my only thing is if people are doing that, can they, you know, they get those images, but can they print them to those huge piece, pieces of art? I don't think they could at this stage because I don't think the resolution is high enough. So that's all I can think of that I've got going <laughs> for me uh, with a bursting AI at the moment. Yeah. But one thing is, number one is copyright. Machine learning, it has to go somewhere to learn all those images, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And recently, Photoshop has, has released a beta version of, of Photoshop with the generative AI built in. Yes. And I've been testing that out. Like, you can expand the, the canvas. Yeah. If you take a close-up and then you want a landscape, you can just expanded there, there are good ways of using it but then you always have bad actors right so it is yeah. a minefield especially with copyright for yeah. uh, the content that you create yeah that's right but i've had problems with copyright in the past before the whole ai thing came about but i've had stores basically what happened is i was scrolling on pinterest and i saw one of my prints on there and i was like oh that's my print and it was someone in a homeware store in the States was selling it. And I was like, hang on a minute. How are you selling my print? You're not, I'm not giving it to you. I'm not getting any money for this. And then I contacted them and they said, they're getting it from their supplier. I was like, okay, who's your supplier? Anyway, it was from China and it was, oh, she told me the website. And then I went onto the website 
And then, oh my God, my prints were everywhere, everywhere. And then you could see where they're being sold to. There was, you know, they were selling them for so cheap and it wasn't your fine art paper. And, but yeah, I was devastated. And I, I now I'm too, I go onto that site and I, they pop back up again. Cause I went, I tried to contact all these different places and said, look, you've stolen my work and yeah, yeah you're selling them around the world, which is a bit unfair. <laughs> yeah. So the, most of them took it down, but then they just, they go and pop it back up again. Can't you do any, is there any legal protection against stuff like that? Can you take, can't take oh, legal action? Are you, you're going, it's, you're going against China and if Louis Vuitton can't beat them, I don't think I can. So I've just given up. Yeah. So there's a whole market for it in Hong Kong. Yeah. Yeah. For such kind of stuff. Once your work becomes viral and trendy, then you have other people trying to imitate what you do and there's a lot of lookalikes in the market, right? So how do you deal with that? It's happened a lot and I've seen businesses come and go. They've started it and I often get a lot of my followers contact me and they're saying, hey, this person's doing this and there's nothing you can do about it. And then you, you just got to, people say imitations, a form of flattery, biggest form of flattery and all that kind of stuff. I used to get really upset about it, but now I've just, I try not to even think about it because it is still happening and I guess that's just life. That's just what happens. Right. Yeah, I've just got to keep coming up with new content and things like that. So how do you plan to take this by the Horns brand and grow it? So I'm trying to, I've always got photo opportunities coming ahead that I've got in my mind that I like, well, now I'm going to go and do. But also I'm trying to, I am expanding into using my prints onto other products. I've got lots of things. I'm being developed at the moment and I'm hoping that they will all, most of them will be out by this year before Christmas. Yeah. So I'm just looking at different ways that I can use, utilize my prints and get them out there that aren't just photographs because I, it, times are tough at the moment and large, the printers, all printers have had to increase their costs and frame, the frames have to be They've increased their costs as well. So everything is getting really expensive. People have less money. So I'm looking at other ways that I can get my prints onto things that aren't as expensive, not necessarily wool art, but yeah, like cushions and things like that. Yeah. Like textiles, garments. Yeah. yeah. Drapery, those sort of things. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. Makes sense. But would, won't you have to reformat your work to fit those kind of products? Yeah, yeah, and the, it is, it's quite an expensive journey because you have to get lots of samples made and they are coming from overseas. Yeah, and, and it is quite expensive and you have to get the samples because I've had samples done and like, oh gosh, no, that's not what I had in mind. Colours are wrong and all that kind of stuff. But then you find the right one and then, yeah, you work from there. And I also saw your other website, which is a Amanda King Photography website. Yes. Do you still do the other portraits? So that was what I was doing while I was teaching. I was doing that on the side. Right. And yeah, I just don't have the time to do both now. I can't do right. by the horns and that. But all they're saying that if someone did come and approach me and said, I would love a portrait session, I would still do it. But I just don't, I don't actively promote it anymore. And yeah, so how does it feel to have a hobby and then it becoming such a successful business? I'm sure you 
you must not have expected to this going to this level. No, I just feel really lucky because I'm doing something that I loved, that I love doing. So, and having little kids, I'm able to work from home and work around them and I'm my own boss. Yeah, so I'm really lucky. So I really hope that the world is changing so much and I really hope that I can keep this business going. Just to close off this conversation, what will you say to someone who wants to start something like this in the visual arts field, but not just in photography? What will be your piece of advice? Probably just to have an open mind because what sometimes you think might work, might not work, and something that you didn't expect to work might work. You just never know what's going to happen, really. I couldn't have told you that I was going to create a book three years ago. I wouldn't have thought I would have got one published. There's images out there that I have taken and I did as a laugh. I put it on my social media as a laugh, and now they're my number one selling prints which I did not expect. So you, that's why I say keep an open mind because you just don't know what people want and what they like. Thank you so much, Amanda. It was great talking to you. Amazing to hear your story. And I, I'm sure lots of people will be inspired by your example to follow their passion. Yeah, I hope so. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you for sharing your experience and insights into running a business and following a passion. I hope you guys liked this episode as much as I did putting it together for you. Don't forget to leave a review on why you like this show and who your favorite photographer is on Apple or Spotify. You can also email me at rajeev at photocountry.co and I will feature you next time. Big thank you to my pal Niloid Pereira for the music. You're amazing. Go show him some love on Instagram, Vintage Lens Shooter. That's all from me this time. Till the next episode, stay safe and keep clicking.